Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Uh, the theme of my message this morning is unveiled faces. Unveiled faces, and it has to do with the fact that masks are not mandatory anymore. So a, little, a little bit of a, a yay. Um, and I'll explain. You'll understand the link as I go. I'm not looking to stir up controversy today. Please don't get upset. Um, there's a scripture in Exodus chapter 34. We're going to have it up on the screen. I'm just going to begin with some verses this morning about Moses. And I will set the tone for what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it says in 28 of Exodus 34, Moses was there with the Lord. This is up on the mountain. Uh, for 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. What a dude. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant the Ten Commandments. Everybody say, the law. Okay, just in case you're wondering what the law is. The Ten Commandments, the law of Moses. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant, is what the New International Version says. Um, I think the New King James says glowing. The point is, he looked strange, okay, and I'll come back to that, because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid, everyone say afraid, afraid. okay, to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him, because obviously they had been as far away as they could be, I guess, and he spoke to them. And afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. It was glowing. Every time he went into the presence of the Lord, he had such a profound time with God that his face shone like a spotlight or something. I don't know how you would describe it, but whatever it looked like, it made people afraid because they're not used to looking at people with glowing heads. Okay. <clears throat> then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. So basically he goes up to the mountain he has this profound time with the Lord, intimacy that people had not experienced in, in those days, such that the glory of the presence of God was so profound that it made his face shine like a spotlight. And when he came down, people saw his face shining like a spotlight, and they were afraid. I guess they're thinking, well, I don't know what they're thinking. What would you think? You know? If people walked out or someone walked out in front of you and their face was shining bright like a spotlight, I think you would be afraid because you don't understand. They'd never experienced this before and it disturbed them. And so what did Moses do whenever he was out and about? Um, because my understanding is that it's like one of those watches where you shine a torch on it. And the luminous bits glow really brightly, but over time they get duller and duller and duller. 
So while Moses is wandering around and his face is dulling down in between sessions with the Lord, he puts a veil over his face so as not to cause people to be disturbed around him. Amen? You understand the principle there. This veil somehow created separation between the people and the glory of God that made them feel a bit safer. Much like the masks that we've been wearing through this time. Um, it's important, I'm, I'm going to say, probably at moments we have fallen into a false sense of security with the masks. Okay? And you can disagree if you like, that's alright. Um, because it's important for us to remember that they were part of a system that the government have been trying to implement at times to manage, not prevent, to manage the spread of COVID. Amen? So if you wandered around with a mask thinking you were okay, and if you saw other people with a mask, and I'm sure at times when you're in shops and you see people, you're thinking, oh, they're wearing masks, it's okay. And you notice the guy without a mask and you're like, Ugh. it was like somehow that mask made you feel secure to a degree. But it's a false sense of security if you, if you understand that it's part of a system. If you're not washing your hands fastidiously, constantly, every time you touch something. I always think about people go to the supermarkets, they pick up a tin of beans, they look at the beans and they go, oh, I don't want that one, and they put it back. You know, if you're not washing your hands continuously, if you're not keeping two meters apart, if you're not isolating, if you're not vaccinated, these are all part of a way to try and manage COVID. But it's, if, can you agree with me? It is a flawed system. Not because those things are wrong, but because of you. Look at the person next to you and say, you're the problem. <laughs> now look at the person on the other side of you and say, no, I'm the problem. I've never washed my hands so much in my life. The thing is, though, COVID still got passed. And the reality is, it's not going anywhere. And it will keep knocking at our door. No matter how hard we try, it's like it's always there, waiting. Okay? Now, I've got a point here. I'm not trying to scare you today. I have an application for this, really. As I've said, the problem is not the system, the problem is the people. The problem is always the people, okay? So Moses comes to the people and he has the commandments, or what are called the law of Moses. And he gives these commandments to the people, and the commandments are a system. They're a means for people to relate with God. They're a means for people to relate with one another. Amen? They're a means for us to have any hope of having some kind of a relationship with God. But they're a flawed system. Because why? They're not the problem. You're the problem. I'm the problem. Amen? But 
It did give them a wonderful sense of false security because let me tell you, when they got the rules and the regulations, they made rules for the rules for the rules and the regulations, and they spent their lives scrub, 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 scrubbing their hands to be clean. Amen? But the problem is not something that you can scrub off your hands. The problem was they could never, ever follow the rules well enough because they were human. And you and me know that there are people who like to follow the rules and there are people who don't like to follow the rules. There are people who don't like to be told what to do. There are people who think they can follow the rules by themselves just fine. And that's the problem. We are the problem. Amen? And like God says, this is good for you and this is what I want. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's like Chinese whispers. Because we hear what we want to hear sometimes. And we do what we want to do sometimes. We know the good we ought to do, the Bible says. But we choose not to do it. The problem is not the system. The problem is me. And you. And they had this false sense of security that somehow they were okay with God if they followed these rules, but they never could follow them well enough. Just as you and I can never wash our hands enough to be free from COVID, it will always find a way. We can never sanitize our lives enough by being good. I want you to understand, I feel like COVID is a beautiful illustration for us today to understand some very basic and life-changing truths. Because it's illustrated in front of, it is absolutely hijacked humanity over the last few years. And I want you to see it like we should see sin and how we deal with sin. Amen? Because the danger is we have all these rules and we get really good at following the rules and then we get quite proud of ourselves. And that in itself is a sin. Amen? The rules are not the problem. You are the problem. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the problem. Turn the other way and say, I am the problem. Because whilst COVID is serious and even has killed people, I don't want to undermine that fact whatsoever. The sickness of sin, we're all infected. It's hereditary. We're born with it. We can't scrub it out. You're going to want to do the wrong things and you won't understand why. Because it's in you. Amen? The problem with, with sin, that everyone dies from sin. And everyone dies separated from God unless they have the cure. Amen? And so far, there's no cure for COVID. Amen? Unless you want to keep being vaccinated and hope that it'll stop it. The Bible tells us that the only cure for the problem of sin is not washing our hands a million times a day or, or washing ourselves with the, uh, the commandments. Jesus is the cure. 
Amen? So, the law of Moses had a purpose. While it was a flawed system, what it did was show people that they could never be good enough. Please just turn to the person next to you again. I'm sorry to do this again, but it's helpful, I think, sometimes. And say, I can't be good enough. Turn to the people the other side of you and say, I'm going to disappoint you. Where the law highlighted the problem, or the virus if you want, which was sinfulness, Jesus became the solution or the cure. And we read that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is how Jesus fixed the problem of sin. Where the law, oh sorry, God made him who had no sin. That's why only he could do it. He had no sin. The, God made him to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Say that again. Righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be your sin. Just think about that for a moment. If you will, God injected a virus of sin into Jesus, your virus. And Jesus died from it. But the power of God raised him to life, amen? So that you can be what? The righteousness of God. Say it again, I am. If you, if you believe in Jesus, if you have crossed the line, if you have devoted in that moment, your life to him forever. The Bible says you are now the righteousness of God. Say it again. I am the righteousness of God. When you go home, look in the mirror and say to yourself, you are the righteousness of God. And keep saying it until you really believe it. Because it's true. It's true. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, we're going to read from verse 4 on to verse 18. It says, such confidence, such confidence we have through Christ before God, because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not that we are competent. Remember, we are the problem, Right? In our, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. So the letter of the law. We didn't become confident because we followed all the rules right. We are confident because of the law of the spirit of grace. The spirit for the letter kills the letter, the law of Moses was a stumbling block. No one could get over it without falling over. But the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, because remember, Moses came down shining with the glory of God, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, 
transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Jesus. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. Jesus is the surpassing glory. He is the final solution. Um, How much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. Listen now. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. He's talking about Jewish people. When they read the law, they have a veil over their minds. And this applies to anybody who has not crossed the line of faith to be a Christian. There is a veil over your mind, the Bible says. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Hey, get this now. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from what? From relying on your ability to be good. You're free from having to prove that you're worthy. Because Jesus has decided through his death on the cross once and for all that you are worthy. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with, with, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I want to read that last verse again because I want to talk about it a bit. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate, I want you to contemplate today the glory of the Lord in this moment. The Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The law of grace today means that God no longer holds you at arm's length. You can come freely. Before, you had to step over the law of Moses, you had to follow all the rules to get to God. But now he says, come. He just says, come. Do you ever find yourself feeling like, oh, I blew it this week. I need to do a bit of good stuff. I need to follow the rules a little bit so I can feel better about coming to the Lord. Come on now, be honest. Have you ever done that? I will be good so that I feel better about myself and I will feel that I'm more worthy for Jesus to accept me when I come to him. Have you done that before? God no longer holds us at arm's length. You know what? That, this is what I want you to contemplate today. It means 
that filthy you. Yes, you may be saved, but you still live like an unsaved person sometimes. Amen? And your mind is aware of this. Right? What that means is you can come to Jesus just as you are. Just say that with me. Just as you are. You have nothing to prove. You don't have to be a superhero. You come just as you are. Why? Because Jesus has been perfect on your behalf. You are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it took me a long time to get this as a Christian. It's not good when I do stuff that displeases God. I'm not condoning sinful living, whatever that may be. But what it means is that I can run straight to him. That's glorious, amen? You don't have to jump through the hoops like a performing dog at Crufts. You don't need to get a perfect score before you're acceptable. You just come. You just come. And it means that the Spirit of God brings change in our lives. That grace, that wonderful awareness that I am acceptable changes something inside of you. I don't have to prove myself to the Lord. He's happy with me all the time. Can you believe it? No. No, no, no. God cannot be happy with me all the time. Technically, yes. He can. And he is. Do you know he never wakes up thinking, oh, golly, I wonder what I'm going to get from them today. <laughs> he wakes up and you are the preeminent thought in his mind. And you know what he has on his face? A smile. I know some of you are really struggling with this right now because you've been taught throughout your life that you get what you deserve. And you can't wrap your mind around the fact that God just is happy with you. Because you know you. Amen? <laughs> if, you're, if you don't, you're delusional in some way. You know? Jesus loves you and he smiles God smiles when he thinks of you he smiles all the time he's always pleased to be there for you he's always pleased to spend time with you you know I know what it's like to be a parent and sometimes my children drive me insane and there are times when I don't really feel happy and I don't really want to talk to them and I'd rather they go to the other room or do something far away from me but that is human. God is never like that because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. It's not some random madness. But because Jesus paid the penalty for your sin, he paid the penalty in one occasion for the sin of all of mankind. For everyone who had gone before, for everyone who was alive then, and for everyone who would come following. In that moment... When Jesus rose from the grave, or even on the cross, I should say, when he said, it is finished, that's what he meant. It's a done deal. My death is your death. My punishment is your punishment. I'm taking it for you. I'm laboring this point because I don't want you to gloss over this. 
that everything that you deserved, Jesus took in that moment. Done, finished, and clar, as they say in South Africa. That's why God smiles when he sees you, even while you're sinning. He doesn't see the sin. You know what he sees? Jesus. He sees you hidden in Christ. And he says, it is well. It is well. Now, I figure that if you really get that truth today, your face will glow. Maybe not like the sun. But when people look at you, they say, something's different about you. You have this ease. You just seem to have a weird kind of joy and grace about you. Because you've realized who you are in Christ. That he has been so good to you and he will never stop being good to you. And that humbles you, I hope. And it causes you to cry out in praise to the Lord. Because you're free. You're free when you should be in jail. You have an eternal future with God when you should be eternally separated from him. You should be eternally separated from him, but you're not. You know, you come to him dirty, and it's like you spend the rest of your life in the bath, and Jesus is scrubbing you. In your spirit, he made you perfect in the moment that you gave your life to him. But every day since, you're learning to live freely in Jesus. Amen? Which means we have good days and bad days. And all the time it feels like God's washing us. But you know what? While he's washing us, he's saying, you're clean. When he sees another spot of dirt, before he's even washed it out of our lives, he says, you're clean. I hope you find freedom today. I hope you find freedom from trying to be a somebody for Jesus. Trying to prove that you're worthy. Please don't. You're not. Jesus has declared you so. Completely apart from your qualification or competence. You are more beautiful to Jesus than anything he's ever seen before. If you can imagine it. I'm trying to give words to how Jesus feels about you. He is so pleased with you that he will never frown, even when you feel the filthiest. When you feel like running away, he says, come, I love you. You're clean. Come be with me. Come up to the mountain. Let's spend some time together. Let me remind you how wonderful Jesus has made you. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. You are. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. Can you see where we've come from here? Moses came down glowing like a lighthouse. And people were so terrified of him that he covered his face. 
And yet now, God declares us as the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What I'm talking about here is is living your life fully aware that you are acceptable to God, undeserving as you are, but in such awe of his kindness that you find release from trying to be good, from trying to do all the right things all the time. Just know that you are loved, that God is for you, that he's put his Holy Spirit inside of you, and he wants to enable you to be who he's called you to be so that you're not trying to be a do-gooder. Amen? It just naturally comes out of you because you're just so grateful to the Lord that you, you glow, you shine with the glory of God because you know that you are loved and that nothing can snatch you out of the palm of God's hand. That in Christ you are righteous, that he has done everything for you. It's done in that moment. And to understand that even when you can't see it, God is working. Amen? Even when you don't feel it, He is working. You are held. You are loved. You are accepted. Go and live like that kind of person, understanding the freedom that Jesus brings. Not to live life debauched. Is that that the right way to say it? You know what I'm trying to say. But... To live as one who is loved and who is free from having to be a box ticker. You just live for the Lord because you're so grateful. And when you blow it, you just come back and say, sorry, Lord, I don't deserve any of this, but I believe it. You said it. It's true. I am righteous. Help me go again. Let's do this. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.